The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, the eyes have it. Now, you probably think I'm talking about the E-Y-E-S. No, no, no. I'm talking about the letter I, and I'm specifically talking about innovating innovation. So the question today is, are you ready to make innovation happen in your organization? You have the interest, you have the passion, but you just don't know how to get started. Well, the answer is there is a proven recipe for creating a successful culture of innovation. Let me tell you what it takes. Number one, you need a passionate team that want to and are committed to working together to reach common goals. You also need an environment where your team feels safe about trying new ideas, and that means you take away the fear of failure. It's okay. Something we often talk about on our Game Changers radio shows is fail fast, fail off, and we'll talk about that later. And you also need strong leadership, and they need to have great visions for their teams. Those are the key ingredients that make the recipe work. Will this be easy? Well, I will use a quote from Thomas Edison, who said, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Get the picture? Well, it may take a lot of work, but it's worth your effort because your company needs to have a culture of innovation. We have a panel of four experts. That's why I said welcome four times. And I'm going to get this party started with the sponsor of this series, who's our first speaker today. Delighted to welcome back Michel Serrier. He is the Global Head of Service Innovation for Global Services at SAP. And Michel sent me a quote from Nelson Mandela. Here's the quote. It always seems impossible until it's done. Michelle, welcome. How are you today? Hello, Bonnie. I'm doing very fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. We are delighted. This is your series. You can come on any time, Michelle. This is, this is your home. So tell me, interesting quote from Mandela. Tell me what it means in relation to starting a culture of innovation. Well, I think it's, it has... It has all the, the right words. It's in the end, if you want a culture of innovation, innovation only works if it's also um, successful. So it's about doing something. As if I relate to what you were saying with uh, um, Edison, it's basically the dawn is about the 90% perspiration. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the impossible part should only take 1%. And impossible is actually quite negative. In the end, when it's done, then you, most of the time you realize that it was something that was obvious. It just it. As it says in the quote, it, it seemed impossible, but in the end, if you think outside the box, then um, it's something which is really easy, um, 
to do. It's only a matter of uh, doing the first step, and then the second one, and the third one, and in the end, you, uh, you get where you want to go. Michelle, thinking outside the box, is this something you tell a team? Do you say to your team, we hired you for these skills, for this company. We hired you because of your background and because of your expertise and the way you think and the way you act. But now we want you to think outside the box. How does that go over in a manager and a staff conversation? Well, I would say I'm... I w- I have experience in, in uh, I was before I was running innovation in charge of a delivery organization where it's not really about uh, thinking outside the box or at least it's not that much expected. But now running an innovation team is really something where you expect actually people to be able to um, cover both sides of the coin. So they should mm-hmm. be able to um, invent the third side of the coin, which is the thinking outside of the box, and cover the two other ones. And uh, I, I need people that are innovators or have uh, sensitivity for other people that are going, that are bringing up um, good ideas. Uh, you should be able to uh, um, cope with change, with uncertainty, and as you said earlier, also with failure. Otherwise, if you're not ready to fail, unless you're very lucky, you're never going to innovate. Hmm. Interesting. Michelle, I come from a different generation from the people you work with, and failure was not something we talked about. You had to avoid it. You had to get things done, and you just weren't allowed. You weren't encouraged. There was none of this fail fast, fail often. So I think that's a a new mantra in the workplace. We'll talk about that more later. Thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. And now I'm pleased to introduce, one at a time, three of the working students who are on your team, and they're part of the SAP Service Innovation and Design Thinking Center of Excellence. First, I'd like to welcome one of my favorite people, Asuka Almez. She is, as I said, a working student at SAP Service Innovation and Design Thinking COE. Uh, Asuka works with me very closely on this series for Michelle, and I'm so happy she's a panelist today. And Asuka has sent me an interesting quote from Steve Jobs. Here it is. Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Oh, I like that. Asuka, how are you today? Hello, Bonnie. I'm doing very well, actually. Terrific. Tell me about your Steve Jobs quote. How does that relate to our topic? We're talking about culture of innovation. Well, uh, you know, when I was looking for uh, interesting and inspiring quotes for the sh- for the show, um, I found this one because I think it's very true. If you want to, you know, describe the innovation culture and how it works today. I mean, you can uh, never bring the greatest ideas to to life if you don't look out of the box, as Michelle said. Um, You can, sometimes you cannot expect people to say what they really want to say through words. Um, You need to feel that. And once you got the idea and you work towards your goals, with, of, of course, accepting failures and mistakes, then you can call it possibly an innovation. But with, um, you know, following others or copying other ideas, you cannot call it an innovation because you are um, kind of like trying to create something which is already existing. So that's why I chose this quote for the session today. Thank you, Asuka. Very, very interesting. Have you seen the movie, by the way, Steve Jobs, the movie yet? Well, I know about that, but I didn't watch it, unfortunately. 
Okay, well, I haven't seen it either yet. I think they're making it more of a personal story than a business story, but I'll probably get around to it sooner or later. Oski, thank you so much for being part of this panel. Delighted to have you. And now let's welcome two of your fellow students. First up is Anessa Lockhart. She is, again, a working student at SAP Innovate, Service Innovation and Design Thinking COE. And we have a quote from another very famous person, Theodore Roosevelt. And the quote, it is hard to fail but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. Inessa, welcome. How are you? Hello, Bonnie. Thank you. I'm doing well, and thank you for the invitation. I am very glad to be part of the session. We are delighted. We love having students on the show. Very interesting points of view. So, Inessa, how did you come to pick this quote from Theodore Roosevelt? Not only is he decades, decades, decades in the past from before you were even born, but this is a big quote. So what does this mean to you in terms of innovation, which might not have been a word that was used much in Teddy Roosevelt's time? Talk to me. Hmm. We are talking about innovation, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, innovation means trying and doing something new that didn't exist previously in this form. And, yeah, you must create anything useful for many people and to look on step further out of normality. And as Michelle mentioned, you must look out of the box. And innovation is also about uniqueness, newness, and the different way to, in which we do, we, um, do things. So it said, in other words, you have to be prepared and that it may come to failure, but never work out of tasks, projects, ideas, and so on with the fear of failing, right? Mm-hmm. And this can reflect on our behavior and decisions. And I think that fearing of failures um, stifles creativity and progress. And if you're not failing, you're not going to innovate. So... For my opinion, I think that failures belong to it and makes a person stronger. And, of course, it's very hard when you're lying on the ground, but I think it's worth never have to try to suggest. And especially you never know what happens, but you should, you should believe in yourself. And perhaps you discover new features about you, and this is also a very good part. And along with this, we live in a world which gives us so much, so much capabilities and of course, it's also very important to have a team which is a review for any time, whether it's good or bad time, and is ready to work with patience of the task. But if you want a strong team, so love what you do and be even stronger. And when I look at the young children, how they learn, how many things they try, and even they often hurt themselves, they continue. And mm-hmm. the result is they are accomplished because they feel not fair and go on. So perhaps the reason is that the fear of failing is higher than the desire to be successful, but I don't know. And suddenly I didn't know much and I didn't have a clue about reality and professional life, but I believe that it's very important and we determine how our future should be like or look like. <laughs> Thank you, Inessa. Yeah. Very so interesting. I chose this quote because it yes. fits for me and I think it fits also for innovation. I love it. I love the quote. I think Teddy Roosevelt, as we call him here in the U.S., I think he would be very flattered that you, a young lady in Europe, would pick a quote from him for a live internet radio show about innovation. He'd be scratching his head and he'd say, in a what? And he'd say, internet what? And 
broadcast radio over what? He would be just absolutely, <laughs> I think he'd be a thrilled. I think Teddy would be really thrilled. So thank you, Anessa. Lovely to meet you here. And let's <laughs> round you. out our, oh, thank you. And let's round out our panel with our fourth, fourth guest. He is Martin Daum, D-A-U-M, and he is also a working student in the Global Service Innovation Team at SAP under Michel Serrier. And we have a quote from the French novelist André Gide, and here's the quote. You cannot discover new things without having the courage to leave the safe harbor. I love the word courage in there. Martin Down, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm fine. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Tell me about, are you a big follower, a fan of André Gide? Uh, no, I'm just looking for a quote for the waiting <laughs> session, and I found this, this, this quote. And I love it. Um, <laughs> and I I think it's a very nice quote because I, when I'm looking for a quote, I want a quote uh, that pictures the, the innovation. And for me, uh, let's say um, to to leave the safe harbor for me, it accompanies like a harbor, you know. And the harbor is your, your safe place to, to protect you for, for a storm or for pirates. And in your own harbor, your own company, you are, you are good in something. You can uh, sell goods or uh, visit other companies, other people uh, visit your harbor, your company. But to make an innovation, to make something new, you need to leave your safe place and Go go away from the safe place to find something new, like a like a new continent, a new country, and that's why why I love this um, this, uh, this quote. And to to leave your safe place, safe place, you need a lot of uh, courage uh, to 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 leave it and to do it. That's what why I uh, use this quote. I think it's a wonderful quote, Martin, and I found a variation of it you might find also interesting. It's, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. I think that's a, a permutation yeah. on this. Very interesting. Martin, let me ask you a question, if I may. The word courage. We don't normally talk. We talk about fail fast, fail often, having an environment at work that is safe for innovation, having a passionate team, a leader who's strong with great vision, a team that embraces embraces working together toward a common goal. I love all of those. But now we've got the word courage. Do you see yourself as courageous? And I'll ask Oscar and Ness also. Do you see yourselves as courageous to be working in innovation? Is that a, one of the qualities you say, I'm Martin Daub and I'm a courageous person? Martin, how do you relate to that word? Uh, well, I think you need courage because um, when you 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 make something new. You make something uh, what you never done before, and I, it's a big step, I think, to to go out of your safe place and make something totally new for you or for your company. That so I think that's why you need a lot of uh, courage to do innovation, to do something really new. I think so, too. Are you a courageous person, Martin? If I walked up to you and say, I'm Martin and I have a lot of courage, would you say that? I I would say yes, because okay. I, I'm like sometimes I'm a crazy person. I do stuff ne <laughs> nobody uh, expected uh, for me that I do that. For example, I just uh, after my first studies, I, 
I said I, I go to a totally different country for a half a year. It was a decision uh, made by uh, two days, I think. Um, I said I go to another country for half a year. Well, I think that does expected it from me. Nobody expected. There's there's a surprise and there's the courage yeah. and innovating sometimes in your own life. Oscar, do you consider yourself a courageous person, Oscar Olmes? Well, I think um, I wasn't that way before I started my internship at SAP Service Innovation and Design Thinking. I think this phase. Especially, you know, starting a career or, you know, um, going into a whole another place um, makes you a lot more different. I mean, the way you think and the way you feel and, you know, how you handle things. So um, I used to be a different, you know, um, person when you want to call it courageous, but I'm a lot more, you know... um, I think, uh, inspired and, you know, thinking a lot more different than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Inessa, what about you? Are you c- courageous by nature or is that something that has happened as you've gotten to know the service innovation team? What do you think? Um, yes, I think I'm a little bit maybe, but I'm developing with the time and think I'm learning more during my intentions. And now I'm a little bit courageous. <laughs> I'm glad you're Before a little bit. I, I, think, I think you're very courageous. Michelle Serrier, what do you think of your team? Are they all courageous? Would you say that about them? <laughs> well, if you're asking all the team and not just uh, the... I mean, I think, yes, I think it evolves with age. Uh-huh. Um, um, I, I, the thing is, I think when you're young, you don't have a choice. Either you stand still or you have to be courageous because everything you... You do, you try, you have never done before. So, and, so, and that's normally what defines courage. It's getting out of your comfort zone. The more experienced you are, the easier it is to, uh, to do half a step. That's what I'm, when I'm talking to people at SAP on, uh, who are thinking about going abroad or changing function. I'm, I'm telling them most of the time that they, they should potentially only do half a step or one step at a time, whatever you want. So either you change your function you change the culture, but you don't change both at the same time. Otherwise, you're going to really disrupt a lot of your of your life. But when you're young, you don't have a choice. You, That's true. That's true. You have the scope. It's, yeah. You're very. You're absolutely correct. Very interesting reference point. Thank you. And you know what? Now that I have you on the line again, Michelle Ferrier, you know where we are in the show. This is the part where I ask, "What are you drinking right now?" As in, "What's in your cup today?" Or what are you planning to drink after the show? So let's get to know Michelle Serrier a little more, and then we'll ask the other three panelists. Michelle, what are you drinking? Come on, give me something wonderful. So while while we're on the on the on the session, I'm I'm drinking your words, as we say in French, um, <laughs> and so listening to what you're saying and trying to give an intelligent answer. Um, <laughs> and afterwards, once I'm done and once I've picked up my daughter that is coming by um, by train from Paris, then we'll go for a, um, a Japanese restaurant and then I'll, I'll have a Japanese beer and uh, and some sake on top of the sushi, but that's not a drink. Oh, so going to be sa- for tonight. I don't think we've had anybody in about a thousand radio shows. I don't think anybody has mentioned sake. I never thought of that. Thank you, Michelle, and do a shout out to your daughter for us. Wow, Oscar, what are you going to be? What are you drinking right now? If it's interesting, or what are you going to drink after the show, Oscar Olmes? Uh, 
Well, I have a cup of Turkish coffee um, at the moment, and I plan to drink possibly a glass of wine after the show. Yeah. Very, very good. I, I, I've had Turkish coffee. I know it's very interesting. You, uh, you have the little grinds in the bottom, correct? The grounds in the bottom? Yeah, I mean, the, the making process of Turkish coffee is uh, very different from any other coffee type. And uh, what's really interesting uh, in serving coffee, in serving Turkish coffee, is that you always serve it with a glass of water. But the crucial point is you don't drink the water afterwards. You drink it before the coffee to have a clean taste. And that's the point that, you know, um, many people who drink Turkish coffee don't really know. That's what well, I, now um, they, now they do. But, um, You've shared it with the world. Now we all know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I didn't know that either. Inessa, what are you drinking now or after the show? <laughs> As my proper coffee cup is established, presso of our new machine, Nespresso machine, but I don't know exactly how they mean with innovation. The word innovation was on the packaging. <laughs> but I have also a funny feeling right now that all the wallpaper in the page landed in my cup because we were in writing at the moment, so I have to take care. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. And Martin Down, what are you drinking? <laughs> oh, I'm just drinking a cup of tea because it's where we call it outside in Heidelberg. Uh, or actually, for me, it's cold outside and I try to to warm up inside my body with with a tea and what kind of tea come on what kind of tea does Martin Daum enjoy everybody it's, wants to know it's uh, it's an apple mint tea it's very hard to get that in in the in the supermarket you have to search a little bit for to to find that but the first time I, I drink it it was oh Four years or five years ago, I think, and the first time I drink it, I love that tea. And since then, then I, I try to to find also to find this and to buy this tea because it's very delicious. You have to try it sometimes. Well, I certainly will. Thank you very much. I will look for it. Thank you all for sharing a little bit about yourselves with us. Guess what? We're going to take a break, but I want to remind the audience that we are talking about innovation specifically today. How do we live the innovation culture? We've already gotten lots of tips and insights from Michelle Serrier, Oscar Olmez, Inessa Lockhart, and Martin Daum, and we're going to have a lot more when we come back. We're going to launch our usual roundtable, and Michelle and I are going to start that off. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be right back. Michael out. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Welcome back. We are Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. Of course we are. And the topic today is how do we live the innovation culture? I have an exciting panel today. Four, count them, four. We have Michelle Serrier, Oscar Olmez, Inessa Lockhart, and Martin Dam, all from SAP. That's right. And these are the people who are telling us what they know about innovation because they're living the innovation culture, and that's what we're trying to impart to our global audiences. How do you start it? How do you do it? How do you make it work? And just a quick reference point in the opening, I quoted Thomas Edison, who said genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Is innovation easy? Not always. Is it worth it? Yes. Does your company need it in order to grow, survive, and thrive into the future? Absolutely yes. So listen up. Michelle Serrier and I are going to start the roundtable now. Michelle, you sent me some interesting notes before the show, and here's exactly where I'd like to start. You say innovation is about people, culture, and process. So talk to me, Michelle. How does this work for you? Well, it's a bit like... um a bit like cooking, and cooking is my hobby. So, <clears throat> um, which doesn't mean I cook well, but uh, but, <laughs> but uh, um, yes. <laughs> um, but talk about case, courage. T- talk about having courage, right, Michelle? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, th- when that, there's a courage, is for the people that are eating, eating up what I'm I, cooking. That's a exactly. <laughs> but um, basically, you um, you need different things. Ingredients, otherwise it doesn't work, and you need them all. Otherwise, you're not going to achieve what you want to uh, what you want to achieve. So, we talked uh, a little bit about um, people. Obviously, you need people because people are the um, are at the center of everything you want to do. So, there, mm-hmm. it's not like uh, the process is the backbone. It's actually, I think, people are the backbone of in- of innovation. Um, and you, we see today because we're saying we. And as SAP, we started to customers, then we started to say users, and now we're, we're even going further and saying consumers, which is basically the customer of the customer. Um, it's also a matter of culture, um, and any culture um, can actually be innovative, and um, anyone can be uh, innovative. It's not something you have to, to force. You just have to be willing to open up, which you could say could relate to courage, but I think it's more... Depending on how you start innovation and how you tease people with innovation, then they're going to open up and it, it will become something which is natural. And in the end, if you want innovation to be successful, then you also need to put a governance, which is maybe softer than the process, but you mm-hmm. need at least a governance which has to be put in place. Otherwise, innovation is never going to, uh, to find a fertile, fertile ground. And a certain ground is not just the people that are going to use innovation, but it's also the, the people that are going to that are going to be willing to nurture the, that innovation. And so I think it's a combination of of, the, of those three main elements that makes uh, um, innovation at all successful, and uh, and which you need to get an innovation culture in place. 
Michelle, question for you. Governance is a strong word, and you gave it as an alternate to the word process. I see governance. I hear that word. I write it out, and I see, oh, mandates, rules, regulations, auditors, regulators, government. Tell me, how does if we're talking innovation, thinking outside the box, failing fast, failing often, a culture of perhaps trial and error, and, and really think, having the courage to think differently, how, what kind of governance are you? Can you give us a couple of specifics, Michelle? The governance you have to put around innovation works a bit like a, a rubber in the sense that it has to be elastic. Um, so it's something that you, you want. It's like when you're, you're trying to educate a small kid or even uh, older kids, actually. You, you're trying to make sure that whatever they test, they do it next to you or um, within the boundaries of something where you can actually help them if they fail. Mm-hmm. So for that, you need a, a bit of governance. And on the other side, afterwards, if you want to be able to detect which are the ideas that are the best ones, and if you want to push them forward, then you need to have at least so much governance or so much, how do you say that, so much um, people need to be, need to understand that you need some kind of governance to be able to scale afterwards. Because even in, in innovative companies, you have pockets of the companies which are innovative, but if, mm-hmm. in the end, if you want to, uh, to be successful, you still have to adapt to the existing processes. You will only, even with a very disruptive innovation, you're only going to be able to um, disrupt their processes a tiny bit. And it takes time to, uh, um, to change a company, um, a big company. So Thank I, you. I, I, do believe, I do believe you need a governance. In, in Germany, there are a ton of professors that are actually saying um, process and governance are killing innovation. I just think you cannot do – it's like you run an, innovate, an innovation project, which is something we are seeing more and more. Uh, when you run those projects, the type of project management, the way you run your project is not the same as a normal project, but it's still, you still need to manage a bit. It looks like chaos, but it's not chaos. Interesting. Thank you. Thank, I think that was a very important point for the audience to know. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oscar Olmes, your thoughts about these three elements that Michelle said go into successful innovation, people, culture, and process. What's your favorite part? Do you have a favorite of those three? Well, I think my favorite part is um, people because, I mean, as we said in the beginning, you need a passionate team which is willing to work to, to reach common goals. And I think the most important part in um, accomplishing great innovations is to have great people around you, passionate people around you, um, and also people that are not afraid to fail because, I mean, it's, it's better to admit your mistakes early than, you know, regretting them in the very um, late phase. Um, which can have a lot harder uh, consequences. So I think that the most important part for me is people. Thank you very much. Inessa Lockhart, what are your, what's your most important part, or all three? Tell me. I think for me it's also important, the people, because good innovation processes are on the foundation of a good culture of innovation, and people are important because they are responsible for the emergence of culture. And it's good to have people with different skills to achieve successful innovation. Thank you. Martin Down, thoughts? 
Oh, okay. Go ahead, Anessa. Please continue. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> okay, Martin, thoughts? Uh, for me, it's, it's the culture part because, um, of course, it's also the people part, but more the culture part because every culture, even if it's uh, a culture from a different country or from a different part of your own country, every culture is, is different and when every or when the culture come together on one table you uh, um, you will uh, match the, the culture together and and you um, and you oh I'm sorry I, I just lost my my words that's okay when, when the when the culture come together, every culture is different. The one culture is more more correctly. The other culture say, yeah, okay, it's okay, it's not fit, but it's okay for us. So when the different culture comes together, there may be a new uh, culture uh, come comes out where all the benefits of each cul- culture are coming out. So it's also good to have a, a different culture in, in the team. Thank you. I have a question. Thank you, Martin. I have a question for um, Michelle. I'm going to let you stand in the background and listen to what your three (laughs) colleagues here are going to say. This should be interesting. Asuka, failure, fail fast, fail often. How do you feel? How do you process it as a person in the innovative culture working uh, working within these processes? How do you personally and professionally process failure if you're the one who fails? What happens? Can you just give us a clue? Well, I think, you know, the whole process of innovation starts with uh, creativity. Of course, you need to have a creative idea in the beginning and then um, build the whole process of innovation on that. So creativity is only the um, starting point in that. And during that process, of course, you can make mistakes, you can fail, you can do something wrong. But um, I think uh, the reason why people don't like to admit their mistakes is that they build a kind of spiritual bond to the creation, to the, uh, you know, kind of uh, innovation, which is uh, not an innovation, but in the process of innovating. Um, so because of the spiritual bond, people don't like to admit their mistakes. They think they have achieved the best uh, idea in the world, but it's not the reality, actually. So you need to have a certain distance to your creation to um, feel the reality and admit mistakes in the early stage of the whole process of innovation. So um, I think that pretty much the... the um, the, the process of innovation and the different aspects which could cause, um, you know, not admitting the uh, failure part in, in that. Thank you. Great points you brought up, Oscar. Great. Inessa, you have anything to add about how do you process failure if you're the one whose idea either falls flat or everybody says, really, Inessa, or you try it and it just does it work out? How do you handle it? Hmm. I don't know if I'm honest, but I think for a good process is the vision very important. And I think if the leader don't know where they should go, so the lead was useless because it's aimless. So, yeah, I can't answer this 
question well? Oh. oh, that's fine. That's fine. Just want to know what's on your mind. Martin Down, what do you what do you do with failure? How do you process it as, as somebody working on an innovation team? Uh, well, how I do when I when I fail, I think failure, as 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 I said, is a big step in in innovation. I mean, uh, no, I think no innovation uh, works on the on the first step. They failed very often, and when I failed, okay, it's hard to to fail. That's that's normal. No, nobody wants to fail, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's another quote, I don't know from who it is, but it says, uh, uh, sometimes you need to fall before you can fly. I think that fits very well. Sometimes even you fail before uh, before your uh, innovation is, is ready or your innovation is done. So um, I think in a, uh, fail is not even fail, fail. Uh, means also to uh, to get your innovation in a better way to to make the innovation better or your creation even better. So I think fail is not like fail. Um, it's it's a way to to make it better. Thank you, thank you very equation. much. Can I add anything in? Part? Yeah, of course. Yes, please go ahead, Anessa. Yes. Yeah, I think um, we can choose to, uh, to see failures as the end of the world, but failures can also lead to suggest. And I think, or uh, I guess, um, you learn from the failure. You're more cautious and yeah. you gain experiences and hit a new way. So I think it's not right to see failure as a negative. You must also see it's positive. I couldn't agree with you more. And by the way, Martin, I have to tell you, I I Googled, sometimes you have to fall before you fly. There are images all over the web, some beautiful with pictures of leaves and clouds and feathers and people skywriting this. And it goes from you have to fail before you can fly to sometimes you got to fall before you fly to sometimes you have to, a whole bunch of permutations, but it's a very popular quote. So I'm glad you brought it up. Michelle Serrier, you've been sitting there in the background. I asked you to wait for the other three. What's your philosophy in terms of instilling this sense that it's okay to fail to your team of young working students as you bring them into the innovation culture? What guidance do you give them, Michelle? Well, I'm glad to hear what I heard. I'm going to... um... Uh-huh. But I, I, the thing is, I, I was hoping that when they um, they were uh, joining us, that actually they they would understand that um, they failure only happens if you make decisions. So the worst thing that can happen is if you, if you don't make decisions, then obviously you won't fail. Or actually, yes, you will fail because the other one are going to keep on moving and you stand still. But um, the first thing is you have to have the courage to make decisions. Then you make mistakes and if you learn from those mistakes, it's not about making five times the same mistakes, but if you learn from those mistakes, then you, you can, to a certain extent, you can say it's not doing mistakes anymore. It's just exploring. And, and I that's like the way, that. That's the way it works. Yeah? I so, like and, that a lot. And I just hope that this yes. is something we need to make sure that it's actually not just valid for an innovation team or whatever. I think exploration is something... You can do in every function. Obviously, you should not invent different ways of doing accounting and, and so on, but um, there are still some ways to uh, reinvent every function and, and work differently and be more efficient and, yeah, and have more fun in work. 
Uh, and you brought up the word fun. What a concept. You know, we try to have a little fun here on Game Changers Radio, Michelle. The idea, we're talking about courage. We're talking about failure. We're talking about distance from your own ideas. I think Oscar brought that up. Uh, the, a mindset, a spirit of innovation and the ability to understand yeah. that failure is part of the process of exploring, learning from your mistakes, not repeating them over and over again. So many good tips here. Oscar, I want to move to your talking points here. Uh, something interesting here. You say, don't forget that creativity is thinking up new things. Innovation means doing new things. Very important. Oscar, why don't you just give us a little background on this statement, please? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, some people think uh, when they just sit around and have an idea, it's an innovation, which is not the reality, actually. Uh, and a creative idea is only the starting point of, of the whole process of innovation. Um, and innovation needs work. You need to work to reach uh, something, reach a goal. So um, innovation doesn't come just that cheap by sitting around and having an idea. It's, um, it's great to have an idea. But it's only the very beginning of the whole journey with failures and mistakes and exploring, learning. So um, the, as we said in the beginning with the uh, quote of Thomas Edison, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So, um, I mean, you need to work to uh, call your creation an innovation. But without any work, you can call it innovation. It's possibly um, something different, but not an innovation. Thank you very much. Inessa, thoughts on what Oscar just shared with us? What do you think? Um, yeah, I'm full agree with her because before you start working on something, you have to come up with the thinking process and then you start to create it. And creativity is more an internal process and innovation something that you bring in the real world and test it. So creativity and innovation are connected, but not the same thing. And creativity is not, um, I don't know how I can, can um, you're okay. Um, I forget the word, sorry. That's okay. Um, That's I mean, okay. the creativity is the, the initial part and innovation is the, the part we are complete. We are finished with, uh, we are finished your work. So, Creativity and innovation are really important. Thank you. Martin Dam, what do you think? How much fun, how much real work? What's the balance for you, Martin? I think uh, you, you need, you, you need uh, fun when you are doing innovation. Because also, I also want to agree what, what uh, Oskar says when uh, thinking Creativity is thinking up new things, and innovation means doing new things. I mean, you can think about a lot, but um, to do things that's a real innovation, you can have a, a vision for everything, and um, but uh, it doesn't count when you uh, when you're not doing new things. And for doing new things, you also need uh, to have some some fun to do it. And if you don't have fun to do anything, it's 
doesn't uh, matter if it's innovation or something else. You need fun to do something. And when you have fun to do something, you do it mostly in, in the right way. Ah, thank you. Michelle Serrier, I know you've been listening to the three comments on Oscar's point. What do you think? <laughs> but the, uh, it relates a lot to what you were saying at the beginning with, uh, with Edison. So that uh, the, uh, getting the idea is that, I mean, innovation is is what you want to achieve. And innovation is an idea that has been successful or that is successful. Um, and, and it's then recognized as an innovation. It's not the first step, it's the last step. And, uh, or it's, some, it's a step in between. And uh, I, I agree with everything which has been said. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, um, it's fun to have ideas. And the tough part starts when you need to make sure that, first of all, you need to convince others that your idea is the right one, um, because um, that there is, you need to check if there is a market. Otherwise, you have a good idea, like, um, what's his name, um, the famous uh, Leonardo da Vinci 500 years ago with the parachute. He had a great mm-hmm. idea, but it, it, it was only a bit early. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes we see that SAP, we have ideas, we stop them because we just don't have, we don't, we just don't have a market. So we, we just park them. Mm-hmm. And the, the right, the, what you need to learn, and this is also a piece of part of the work, is actually don't trash them, but keep them somewhere on, in the, on the back burner. And, uh, they may actually, uh, become the, the hit a year, a year later or two years later. Interesting. Michelle, is that part of the concept of governance that you assess an idea? You assess an innovative idea and you say, this is not ready. Its time has not come, but it's not bad. And it has potential legs, but not quite yet. We're going to not even get to the baby steps. Let's park it somewhere. Is that part of the governance process? Yes, it is part of the governance. And, uh, and again, it's a different governance from what you would do if you're just talking about incremental innovation. So just I'm going to say, add a different color on an iPhone or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but really, um, uh, something which is really, really new, then you have to, uh, because you're, you're, and Oscar was talking about it also, and I think, um, you, you, you also, um, you have to take into account the, the ego of the people. And as such, uh, when you're discarding an idea, then, uh, governance is also something that needs to be made in the, in the proper way. So it, it's, Thank uh, you. you're still dealing with humans, and therefore, you have to take care of them. Ah, you know, Michelle, if if we when we look at the transcript of this session, I think you're going to find this is almost a well, some people call it primer. I call it a primer, meaning a handbook of how to create an innovation culture, which is what we wanted when uh, Oscar brought this topic to me and to you. This is what we wanted. I think we're getting there. We have a few more minutes before just a couple before we get to the predictions round. So I want to cover just a couple more notes. And Nessa, I'd like a quick comment from you. You said in your notes to me, if you want to. To achieve something extraordinary, you also need to do something extraordinary. Talk to me. What does this mean to you, Inessa? Yeah, um, I mean, if you want what you never had, then do what you have never done before. And as mentioned, innovation is about newness, and you have to think further, creative and different. And you must go out of your own box and see the world and try something new. And do something that scares you every day and don't afraid to be wrong. So love and life your work. Push your limits to understand your potential and to understand how much you can do and define your limits. So I think 
that's the that's the things that make you a little bit extraordinary. Uh-huh. And and I love that word extraordinary. That's another word we didn't hear before. And I I looked up the definition even though I, I have a clue and it's very unusual or remarkable or amazing, which is a very overused word today, I think. Uh sensational incredible incroyable unbelievable phenomenal all of those words so, so some some permutation thereof thank you and martin in the time we have left i want to cover a very important point in the notes you sent me and i appreciate so much all of you working so hard to plan the session with me martin you say there are four types of innovators i'm going to read the four types and i'd like you to just give a one or two sentence definition of each so first up you say there is the proactive innovator who is that person martin how do you describe them uh, the proactive innovators um um the proactive innovators the management gives directly the to the to the employees to to think about uh, new new innovations, to to say uh, go crazy, go what you want. We 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 give you uh, we give you money. We give you manpower. We give you um, we, we give you equipment. But do new things and go crazy. That's for me the proactive innovators. Okay, number two, we got to do this fast. Passive innovator. Who is the passive innovator, Martin? Uh, well, the passive innovators are for me the, that they are innovation is like a process that they say um, the management say to the uh, to the employee, okay, let's uh, met uh, once a week or once a month, and we are sitting all together and nobody leaves the room like <laughs> until we have I don't know five new ideas or something. Yes. Uh, they do innovation in little steps to um, to own to optimize own processes or or quality in a very small way for for his own. But they do not innovation to let's say to to make an innovation for the whole world. Just mostly just uh, for the, uh, for themselves. Okay, number three, and just give me one sentence on this one. Reactive innovators. Okay. One sentence. Who is a reactive innovator? The reactive innovators are, for me, innovators who follow uh, innovation who is already in the world. Okay, and random innovators. Who is a random innovator, Martin? A, a random innovator has no strategy, in the company for for innovation, they do innovation in a random way. Say uh, they found a new uh, formula for I don't know gold or something, and that was not the plan to found something new. It just uh, it just happened. That's a random okay. innovation. This is great. This is great. So we have the proactive, the passive, the reactive, and the random. Two P's and two R's, and we've got three minutes left till the end. And thank you, Martin. And I'm going to circle back to Michelle Serrier. Uh, Michelle, do you want to give the predictions for the whole team? You want everybody to just get two sentences each. What's your What's your wish for this closing? Michelle? Oh, they can give two sentences each. That's fine with you. All me. right. You're up first. Predictions. What will be different about the culture of innovation in the year? Let's pick 2020 because, you know, it's my favorite year. Michel Sirier, your two sentences. Go. Innovation. The, um, I think that by the year 2020, we'll start to see innovation happening at school, in schools. And I'm not meaning with this that we're going to introduce iPads or whatever, but just the way we're going to teach is going to be um, innovative. 
because that's the only way to um, um, to plant the seed as early as possible to make sure that you get the um, a lot of innovative people afterwards and not just uh, a few by accident. Thank you. There were your two sentences. Oscar Olmes, two sentences. Predictions, go, Oscar. Well, I think um, in five years from now, hopefully um, we'll have a lot more broadened spirit of innovation. And I think innovation is hopefully going to be a lot um more known uh, than it is today. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my prediction for the year Thank 2020. Thank you. And Essa Lockhart, two sentences, predictions, go. Um, I think innovation will continue to grow and never stop. And I think that more and more companies and other people will address this, this, this issue. And my opinion is if people don't attempt and innovate, so they will have no success and remind behind. So innovation is a really important part in our lives, and yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Martin Dam. I saved two minutes, two two sentences for you because we don't have two minutes. Go ahead, Martin. Talk to me. Uh, in uh, twenty twenty, there I think there will be more proactive innovators, and no no more random innovators, and to. Uh, uh, I think there will be more, well, the innovation will be more uh, active way in each company. And I hope the, the innovation will be done with more young people like students like us because we are crazy enough to do new things. <laughs> and the old management, uh, sometimes it wo- they won't be, be crazy and they are want to be in the safe harbor and the young students like us, we want to go out of the safe harbor. Thank you very much, Martin Dam. Michelle Cherrier and team, Oscar Olmez, and we have Anessa Lockhart and Martin Dam. You're all wonderful. Thank you for sharing your insights and ideas and passions about the passionate topic of an innovation culture. Here's my call to action for our audience all over the world. You know what's coming. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Just like the four people we had on the show today, go out and be a game changer today. And a shout out to Michael and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.